And welcome into another episode of the Nick State of Mind podcast. I'm Matt Castillo with Chip Murphy today. I wanted to get an episode out this week. Going to do a little bit faster of an episode. One of our quick hitters that we haven't done in quite some time. But of course, you know, the March Madness tournament going on right now. We got robbed of that opportunity last year, which it needed. It was the smartest thing not to play last year with the circumstances. But it still kind of robbed you of that enjoyment of March Madness. So it, returning this year just adds a little bit more special feeling, at least to me. So I'm enjoying watching these games right now. Um, the bracket's not too busted early on. It's getting there, but it's not too busted, you know. Um, of course, uh, the upset, Ohio State. Chip, I know you you had Ohio State going pretty far in there. I know that one was killer for you with Oral Roberts uh, upsetting them. Amazing game to watch. Oh, I had Ohio State in the national championship game in the bracket I do with my friends. But, I mean, just still an amazing game to watch. Like, just so, so much fun yeah, to watch that. To watch the basically one of the first games of the day go into overtime like that. And that the kid on Oral Roberts just put on a show. God, and Ohio State just, God. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't even like – uh they just did not deserve to win that game. No. You know, it, it wasn't like Oral Roberts played this perfect defensive game. You know, Ohio State had looks that they just didn't convert. It was just shocking. You know, it wasn't like Tennessee where Tennessee just fucking sucked. Yeah, like yeah. they were awful. Yeah. They looked like they started playing when it was four minutes left and they were down. Yeah. Four. And they cut it to like 10. I'm like, you, you just now decide to show up. Come on. Yeah. If like, if you were a non-basketball fan and like, like someone in my family who just turned on the game and didn't know which team was the good team, you would think that Oregon state was the good team. And Tennessee right. was the team that wasn't supposed to be winning. They were Absolutely. like just awful Tennessee, the whole game. It was Rick Barnes. We were talking about this before yep. we started the show. Rick Barnes strikes again. Yeah. Rick yeah. Barnes in March. Never fails, man. It never fails at all. But all I know is that Oral Roberts gave me like the flashbacks from Lehigh from uh, 2012 with McCollum and Duke. And I took Duke yeah. to win it all that year. I left class. So did I. I was a freshman in college. I left class. I was so pissed. I said, I'm going home. That's it. And I soaked in, in that defeat the whole time, man. I mean, I'm not a – Duke is a team that I like. I'm not like a big like a fan, I wouldn't say. But um, that one, that pissed me off that my bracket was already busted there. So it's, that's the beauty of this tournament. Um, but what we wanted to jump into today with the Knicks is, you know, coming out of the All-Star break, you know, we knew as we detailed this in our last episode of, you know, the schedule that we have early on, right off the bat, you know, we're taking on three of the top teams in the Eastern Conference in the first four games. Uh, so we, you know, played the first five games. Uh, and, you know, for me, Chip, we talked about this in our last episode. You just got to win the games that you're supposed to. And so far during the stretch, they did that. They beat OKC and they held on to beat the Magic last night. Thank God they did. Um, you know, it was a crazy wild game at the Garden last night, but they got it done. 
you know, with these other games where you're taking on Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and the 76ers, you would like to try to steal one, right? Win the games that you're supposed to and try to steal a couple that you're not. And then you should be fine. It's kind of the recipe that we we talked about heading into the second half of the season. Um, you know, look, the Milwaukee game, we kind of figured we were going to get our asses kicked. You know, we beat them. Uh, you knew that wasn't going to sit well with them. And, um, you know, it was an off game for Julius Randle coming off the all-star break, you know, so I, whatever there, we kind of figured, I kind of felt like it was coming anyway. The Brooklyn game, you know, for me was, they made a strong push at the end. They fought back. They got back into the game. There were some questionable calls by the referees or non-calls, you know, things like that, that, at the end of the day, as frustrating as the referees were, I felt like we were a step behind them throughout the game. The Philly game hurt. That that game hurt. I felt like that was the one to steal. Uh, knowing Embiid, you know, we're up nine going into the fourth quarter. And right as the fourth quarter started, I said, I need the second unit to just hold us. Give us five minutes. Give our starters five minutes to get a nice break. And then, you know, if you maintain the lead, six points, you know, they cut it down to just three, you know, three um, from six to or nine to six. You know, I felt like we had still had a pretty good chance. The second unit didn't give us production. Uh, next thing you know, the starters come back in. It was a four-point game. Uh, and I kind of felt like the legs were going to be tired from playing a back-to-back against Brooklyn and coming through. And that's kind of what happened in that one. Uh, so that one hurt because I felt like that was a real opportunity to win the game, but through the first five games of this stretch, overall, they did what they're supposed to about beating the teams that they're supposed to. So there's not really much to complain about on my end, uh, especially with the win last night with having three guards out, you know, Rose, Peyton, uh, and uh, quickly. And I will give Frank Nilakita some credit here Mm -hmm. as an anti-Frank guy. I will give him credit because I will say this about him. He is a professional. He does compete. He does play hard. That 0 for 16 shooting slump was killing me, and I was getting a little impatient with him. But he was—he did the job for us in the second half. He had some big shots in that game. Um, you know, the back-to-back threes, I think, in the third quarter, had that big one in the fourth quarter to kind of stop the bleeding of Orlando a little bit on that massive run that they were on. So I wanted to give Frank some love from somebody who's not big on Frank, but he deserves it. I felt like he played a much better second half, made some key plays, and helped us win that game. So I, I, was, I was proud of Frank for that. We needed big minutes from him. First half, we really didn't get much from it other than his defense and things like that. Second half, I think he did it all around. And, you know, was he the main reason why we won that game? No, but he, he certainly helped. And I think that was, you know, when you have somebody that has to step up into that role, I thought he did a pretty nice job in that. But, Chip, what did you think about, you know, the first five games so far? Uh, is it kind of what you expected it to be in these first five games? Uh, the Brooklyn one was the killer for me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they were down, They looked dead in the water in the third quarter. I think they were down like 18 points or something and uh, at least 15. And they cut it down to three at the end of the game. And then, you know, you had the – the bullshit call with Randall where he got called for a travel. Right. And Scott Foster, all that nonsense, obviously. And then the NBA comes out and defends the call and acts like it's the right call, which was all ridiculous when everyone watches the call, see what sees what the right call should have been. 
But that was very frustrating because you saw Randall get upset and you saw how uh, fiery he was. So that part was good because right. you see how into it it was. But knowing that we really had a chance to beat the Nets, I guess, in, in hindsight, it's like, okay, wow, we, we had a chance to beat the Nets. We had a chance to beat, like you said, the Sixers. Yeah, we were we were in it. Yeah. And you mentioned like, okay, the Bucks obviously had it in the back of their mind. They wanted to kick our ass because we beat them. So that wasn't very surprising. Yeah. Um, and the most important thing, like we said before, before when we did an all episode before the all-star break, it's important we take care of business against OKC in Orlando because they stink and we need those wins because our schedule is very hard after the all-star break. And we hung on against Orlando and OKC didn't have SGA, which made that game even more right. important. And I think, look, we blew them out and we needed to blow them out. It was important to have a good win like that. But you're talking about stealing a win. I think Sunday, we're recording this Friday, March 19th. I think Sunday against Philly is a good opportunity to steal a win. Yes. Because Philly is on the second night of a back-to-back. They're on the West Coast in Sacramento, but still they're coming from the West Coast to the East Coast. Uh, it's a seems like a good opportunity to steal and win against a good team. Yeah. yeah I, and then I, after I, that, yeah. And and then after that, you have back-to-back games against the Wizards. Yep. So maybe rip off a, a nice three-game win streak. I don't know. That would be our four-game win streak because you just beat Orlando. So that would be nice. Yeah, especially since after that, you play at Milwaukee and and the Heat at home. Yep. So it'd be nice to rip off a few more wins here. Yeah, and that's that's what it's all really about is building a little bit of a cushion. We know, as we talked about in our last episode, the last six games of the year, you know, taking on a lot of the powerhouse teams in the Western Conference and things like that. So you need to build yourself a little cushion. You don't want to go into that last six games going, okay, we're a half a game ahead of being in the playoffs or not. Like, that, that's not going to be good for us. You know, we got to build a little bit of a cushion. So when there are stretches like this, you got to take advantage of it. Like you said, you know, there's still no Embiid. The 76ers, I still think, are, you know, still a, a very solid team. But it still feels like we have a chance to kind of win this one. When Embiid's out, you have an opportunity there. We, we blew it the other night. Um, but hopefully we could take advantage of it. Hopefully we get some of these guys back as well. You know, hopefully quickly's back. I know Peyton's missed some time with the hamstring. We don't know about Rose. Um, you know, Rose was somebody that was missing uh, in, in all the games coming back from, and I think he could have been a different maker in, in, in a lot of these close games. Yeah. So, you know, that's, it is what it is without him right now. Um, and it's something that we talked about, you know, before is, especially right now with three guards being out, we don't have that kind of depth to really maintain this and, and survive a long period of time without these guys. So we need to start getting healthier. Remember earlier in the season, we had a little bit of a hiccup. I think we lost like four or five straight and it was just because we were not healthy. We didn't have the bodies to kind of send out there. Um, so, you know, that, that's the big thing is, is getting these guys back healthy. Hopefully they can come back soon. And that should help us in this stretch of games right here. If we could get some of these guys back, um, you know, for me, kind of hinting towards this chip as, you know, we're getting ready to wrap this quick one up. But, you know, we have the trade deadline coming up. My eyes are still looking at, you know, adding another shooter, adding a little bit more depth to this roster. I know a lot of people are looking for a big name, looking for that big splash, you know, bringing like a big name player in. I, 
I don't really necessarily see that happening. You know, maybe we add some pieces in the summer, but I, I don't see a big name like a Victor Oladipo trade or something like that kind of ha- happening uh, to add to the roster. But I would like to find some kind of, I guess, a value, uh, somebody that could come in and play a certain role to kind of add a little bit depth here because that's the thing that I keep seeing. You know, Bullock, since we talked about him several episodes ago when we were talking about this, has shot the ball really well. Can't really complain about that. Um, but I just still feel like we need a, a, another shooter and I, and really another 3 and D type guy, a guy that can shoot well but defend a little bit is what I think can really help us in, in you know, this second half of the season coming up. What are, what are some of your thoughts um, you know, with the trade deadline. And again, we'll, we'll jump more into this trade deadline in the next upcoming episodes. But, uh, you know, is there something that you, you look at and see that w- let's try to add, you know, with these next stretch of games coming up before the deadline? Well, personally, of course, I've, I've talked about wanting Evan Fournier on the team for a while. So I would love for them to trade to, for Evan Fournier. But it has to be right now what, what LeVar Ball just said about Lonzo. How, how Lavard said that Lonzo, he wants Lonzo out of New Orleans or Lonzo hates New Orleans, whatever he said. Like, okay. And Mark, that coincides with Mark Berman saying that Lonzo has New Orleans high on his list. Like, it, it's, it seems like they're pushing the, the Lonzo to New York thing, maybe yeah. in more so in free agency than uh, for a trade. But I, I think if any trade talks for the Knicks at free agency or trade talks for the Knicks at the deadline have to start with uh, the guys in New Orleans, like Lonzo Ball, JJ Redick. Uh, You can think about Eric Bledsoe, but I honestly wouldn't. I I know there's some people who are interested in him. I wouldn't really go after Eric Bledsoe. I I think Lonzo and JJ, you need to be interested in. Yeah. I think you need to sniff around what Houston's asking price is for all the depot. Uh, if it's too high, then you can be out on it because I don't think he's worth a high price, especially when you you're taking a huge chance on him bailing for Miami. But you definitely, if, if you can buy low on all depot, you should go after him. But ultimately, personally, I would love to see Fournier on this team. I, I think he'd be such a great fit. I, we've talked about this multiple times. I, I love him Fournier. I think he'd be great. Obviously Mitch is hurt right now, but I think he'd be great when Mitch comes back. Just, you know, all Mitch, all Mitch would have to do is turn around and hand the ball to him. Yeah, He doesn't have to pass to him. Right. He just, he'd just be able to dribble the ball once turn and hand it to him. It, it's perfect for Mitch <laughs> to play with a guy like Fournier. So I, I think it would be great. Uh, and Fournier doesn't like, He's not a high uh, maintenance guy who won't like complain or anything for touches. He he's just a guy. He and he's gonna work really hard. Obviously, he, for these next few forty games, thirty games, whatever. He he's in a contract year, so he's gonna play his ass off. So Tibbs is gonna love him. And yeah, I, I like. I would love to have uh, Fournier on this team. Yeah, you know, and I, I know he's battled some injuries this year, but when he's on the court, he's he's a very productive guy had a good game uh, last night against us as well um so that's a name that i wouldn't be uh you know upset to see on the roster i I, I think we need to add something here um and i know you know the the deadline i think is the 25th um Mm -hmm. but that's that's kind of just where 
I, I know a lot of people want the big name, the big splash type thing. I don't necessarily need that. I don't think that needs to necessarily happen. Yeah, we that's not happening. Right. Like a guy like Bradley Beal isn't being traded at right. all. Yeah. You know, it, it that would be nice, but I mean, it, it's just, it's not realistic right now, I think. But you got to add something. You got to figure out a hole that you can kind of plug and type thing. And again, I think our front office is. And, you know, we'll save more of this for our next episode and, and, you know, the stretch of games coming up because the deadline is coming up about next week. So, you know, I think if you have your expectations too high for a big move, you're going to be very disappointed. But I think we definitely should be in the market buying. This is what teams do, right? Like when you're kind of right there, you need to buy something. Not necessarily you got the title contender team that are looking to put themselves over the top of some of these other teams. But for like the Knicks sake, you're trying to make some moves to put you into the playoffs and maybe compete once you're there type thing. I think that's that's the first step to go to. So you've got to be looking to do something. I hope it's not quiet because I still think this team needs something but it would be something uh, interesting to look out to see. But for now, we'll wrap this one up. Uh, we'll be back next week for another episode of Nick's State of Mind podcast. Go out there, watch March Madness. Hopefully your brackets aren't ruined. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, like I said, mine is starting to look that way. It's getting there. It's getting ugly, but not done yet. But have a good one.